Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. And I have a question. With uh, the resignation of uh, Prime Minister Shinzo Abe this week, who are we now supposed to blame for all the bad anime that encourages young people to have sex? <laughs> I mean, uh, I think Atsushi we can blame. Nishigori. I'm that, sorry, that, who was that, Iro? It's Satoshi Nishikori, director uh, the, of... the uh, director of Darling, Darling in the Franks. Oh, okay, okay, yes. That's, yes. That's, a, that's a potential candidate. I don't know if you guys have any other suggestions. We can just, we can just keep blaming Abe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that True. Is, we, we could always just... <laughs> Yeah, forget 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 Abenomics. The real legacy of Shinzo Abe is going to be uh, anime about uh, kids having sex. <laughs> oh, so you mean anime then? <laughs> no, nobody actually has sex in anime. Zig, come on. That's true. That's true. Uh, they, I'm gonna just... go, I'm gonna cast a wider net and just blame young people in general. It's, yes, it, 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 uh, yes. In doubt, in doubt, blame the children. That's a that, that always works. <laughs> Yes. It has never backfired to blame the children for society's ills. I mean, look, if I want to get into politics, I better get some practice in, okay? Yeah. yeah. That's apparently what you do when you're at the top. But, uh, alright, well, good riddance there, I suppose. Yes. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> let's, let's move on and talk about some anime. Oh um, to introduce everybody, I am Jell, and I am joined by Iroh. Still here. Not dead yet. I am joined by G. Man, it's only 80 degrees outside today. Uh-huh. It's. I mean, it's... compared to the past three weeks, it's downright nice. I know, it's it's comparatively lovely. I walked outside <laughs> for a couple minutes, and I did not instantly melt as I have the past uh-huh. few weeks here Spontaneously combust. In, in sunny uh, Los Angeles. Well, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's 70 and sunny here in New York, so it's it's like... Arguably nicer, in my opinion. I like no, that sounds cooler. no, no. I mean, I am half joking. Eighty is still too uncomfortable for me, if I'm being honest. Yes, um, it's 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 lovely, lovely uh, late summer day out here. But uh, yeah, uh, and we've got Zig. Before we forget all the intros here, Zig is back for two yeah. weeks in a row. I wore long trousers for the first time in forever because it's really cold over here now. <laughs> Yeah, how, how, what is the temperature in Fahrenheit? Can you convert it uh, <laughs> without oh, no. Uh, no, checking? No, I can't be bothered. It's, I, it's I actually did the math the other day. I think it's like 60s, maybe high 50s, which is like, it wow, a... for August, that's... <laughs> yeah, it was 13 degrees C the other day, so like that's not warm, however you slice it. Yeah. Right. That's, well, like a, that's like a San Francisco winter. <laughs> fall, falls here early for you, I guess, but... Uh... What anyway, is fall? <laughs> yeah. autumn. Yeah. Thank well, you. anyway, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap I'm gonna put a bow on the exciting weather talk. Yes. And uh, <laughs> we can move along to our normally scheduled anime chatting. Oh boy. Uh, we're we're gonna get into uh, some of the shows that we've been covering as a bit of a programming note. You can all thank the NBA basketball playoffs for us cutting God of High School as I had something to watch on Monday, and uh, <laughs> that broke the the terrible cycle of uh, me watching God of High School every yes. week and dragging everyone into it. So Once Jell stopped watching, Iro and I no longer had to keep watching. So, so uh, you know, 
if you were looking forward to our continuing commentary on that show, sorry everyone, but we've we've uh, we've moved on. I think from that. Yes, after ten thousand years, we are finally free. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's time to conquer Earth. <laughs> uh, all right, we're doing Toko and, at the end. <laughs> and uh, I also wanted to revisit a little bit of uh, anime business talk before we uh, get into the, to our coverage. Uh, we had a, a couple of other interesting, uh, uh, interesting uh, news items that came up over the past uh, week or so. I'm that telling I to you, Jell, if this I starts feel- becoming a regular topic, I think we need to we need to get ourselves a theme song, right? Like the, the yeah, I was I was a jingle for thinking... anime business time, you know, kind of like How- those like. Uh, what was that genre yeah. called? It's like called business pop or something. It's like the music that would play in like eighties like accounting software or some shit like that. Yeah, sure. Ha- having some kind of like musical bump or something <laughs> over anime business talk to introduce that. Yes, that would that would make sense. But we'll we'll see. Uh, you know, in busier seasons, anime business hip, talk may not be beats, a, uh... but with idle idle like yeah over it. <laughs> Like, <laughs> no, it's no, probably it ha- more like it'd be like some sort of, but with like fax machine tones like laced uh, over it. Okay. Yeah, some kind of like professional edge to it, right? But, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's just money by Pink Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we're we are, we are copyright strikes already. Yeah, we are, we already get enough copyright claims as it is, so <laughs> uh, we don't need to tempt fate even further with that. But anyway, let's talk about an interesting bit of. Uh, I don't know if I would say news, but perhaps industry insight that popped up uh, um, on Twitter. And this came from uh, a uh, director slash producer, Yoshitada Fukuhara, who is perhaps best known for... <laughs> and this this does make me question some of the legitimacy of these numbers, but best known for his work on the series Kimono Friends, oh. which I'm pretty sure looking at these numbers... Did not cost this amount of money to make. I mean, people were really into Kimono Friends at some point. It was well, a very popular I, it was, show for a while. It was su- right? it, yes, it was it was successful after uh, yeah. it, it started production, but it was it's it's it looks very cheaply made. I mean, yes, that that's way. the thing, right? Like, uh, the, I mean, we should we should we should get into what he said first before we start to pick apart yes. his statement. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm just kind of giving some context for where this is coming from, but. You know, he was mentioning, uh, the, he mentioned some actual numbers on the cost of what it it costs to make anime, um, and kind of saying how those numbers have been going up, uh, you know, primarily due to the, you know, increasing demand, or I guess also support of, uh, you know, anime overseas. And interesting, he threw out some of the numbers that your average... Uh, anime studio would get uh, about 15 million yen or 142,000 dollars US for one episode of anime. So before we go any further, I wish to point something out, which is by Western standards, that is like an insanely low amount. Oh yes, it produce, is absurdly yes. yes to produce yes. like 22 minutes of animation. That is like unbelievable. So, yes. I mean, we always knew that anime was produced much more cheaply than right. uh, Western cartoons, which still outsource a great deal of their production to, like, the Far East. But just to, just to make that clear, because that context is important, I think. Yeah, and we, we can we can get into some more context and kind of thoughts I mean, on yeah. what this all means, in a, you know. Yeah. But as far as 
the cost, that's kind of the one per episode cost, which if you times that by 12 is, you know, 180 million yen or 1.7 million for a 12 episode series. Again, that sounds like a very low number when you consider the amount of people it takes to make an anime. Because um, it is a very low number. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and he mentions that, uh, you know, obviously that's an average. And again, I don't know how much insight he has to come up with that pull that number out of his hat but uh (laughs) you know obviously some are going to be higher than others and you know he mentions that uh you know some anime might be pushing up to you know 190,000 an episode um and that uh you know obviously if it's a bigger studio or you know they've had more money more success <laughs> then you know that could be higher or whatever but he's mentioned he's mentioned too that you know that should in theory open up the ability to attract new talent and you know uh those kinds of things but you know as far as the big question here is always as more money's coming in is uh is that getting handed down to the <laughs> the actual rank and file animators probably hmm. not yeah uh probably not but you know he doesn't get into that part of it that's kind of uh you know i'll, I'll link uh crunchyroll had the article which translated all his tweets and everything yeah. and they kind of mentioned that i do uh find this note interesting that he thinks in the future more and more studios will be focusing on like the copyrights they own specifically it's so, like they're he's specifically called like toei and kyoani i think uh where like they can keep mining that uh yeah they can uh keep more money i guess by working on the things that they own yeah i I definitely outside properties yeah i've definitely seen that sentiment growing uh with some studios is like not even just like doing more anime originals but like trying to retain uh at least ip rights to the stuff they create like you know yes like the studios they mentioned um this reminds me of a of an interview that was published, I think a little bit was it earlier this year or last year with, um, oh man, I can't remember his name, but the you know the, the I think like the CEO or president of Trigger, right? And they kind of said Is a that similar Wakabayashi? thing. Yeah, I think it was maybe Wakabayashi where he was talking about how it's kind of a similar deal of like Trigger makes deals with um, with publishers to try to retain IP rights or at least like make sure that like the uh you know the you know like the vague like directing board or whatever it is that's a production board that's attached to every anime committee yes production committee is that you know is filled with with trigger members and i think that you know in its in its own way this is sort of like japan like beginning to realize that there is something to be said for like workers rights and like you know the rights that you know workers are entitled to you know from their labor like I mean, I, I think if I might interrupt, uh, G, I think that there's another factor at play here, which is simply that anime is becoming, even in Japan, a more specialized niche product rather than a mass market thing. You know, um, like audiences are down. A lot of anime are relying on, you know, hardcore fans and merchandise sales to, to keep that up. And obviously, I think that that means that there is more attraction for specialized intellectual properties that are artist owned and created and obviously that also appeals to the overseas audience as well 
Well, I mean, they are saying that there's more money coming in uh, yes. because of the international demand. Yes, I mean, my understanding so, is that, you know, to, to, to comment on what Zig was saying, is that yes, like domestic viewership or is... Is either going down or the 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 percentage is going down because of the increase in overseas uh, consumption? I mean, there's also, I mean, you could look at it domestically because the the format is changing as people move away from traditional TV. But you know, I mean, I think that's part of it though, right? Like that people are exploring different revenue streams and different ways of getting their product out there. And, you know, companies are willing to pay. Look at the Netflix model. You know, I mean, they financed a number of high-profile, fairly high-quality productions. There's been some garbage as well, of course. But, you know, there's, they're definitely getting out there and, and putting money in. Right. So, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what, I guess, creative implications that has. Does that mean studios continue to take even less risk? Does that mean we see more sequels as they're trying to you know, milk as much as they can out of their own, you know, properties. I jumped me can't... out here. There's a oh. team of girl idols. Okay. And they sing and dance. Sold. Alright, alright, I got another one for you. A loner teen gets transported to another world. Ah, uh, no, it would never work. Okay, okay. Oh, no, 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 no I'm not finished. Yeah. And he gets a slave harem. And he brought his cell phone. Oh, shit. Damn. <laughs> this is why oh, we have you on the committee, G. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What if, what if this other world was exactly the same as the his favorite MMO that he was playing before? Oh, you, guys are, you guys are killing me. You're actually <laughs> killing me. So, oh, no, I, mean, I, mean, I, like... I was just thinking about Dragon Quest, but man, the MMO, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> in, in all seriousness, my thoughts about this are, you know, for better or worse, cynically, like, paying attention to, like, you know, the industry that is more my area of focus, which is the games industry, is that profits have only gone up for the games industry, right? Like, the, the number just keeps going higher, and the general consensus is that those benefits... Uh, surprise, surprise, actually do not, in fact, trickle down for the most part. Yeah, weird. <laughs> and that, so, the idea that anime studios will be able to request higher budgets, you know, because of, you know, just the increased demand, and I just, I, I guess cynically, it's, it, I don't, I'd like to hope that that goes that 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 is that that those profits are more spread out. I mean, my understanding, looking at like you know the numbers, is that the disparity between CEO wages between the wages that a CEO makes and the employee makes in Japanese companies is not as uh, extreme as Western companies. But it's still hard to tell how much that really applies in practice. Right, that makes sense. When when you apply more money to it, does that just is that just going to make the gap bigger? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Like because that's that's what happened. That's what happened in the West, right? Right. Is that the video games make more and more money, and all that translates to is CEOs getting nicer and nicer bonuses. That's not video games. That's everything. I mean, yeah. yes, yes, fair enough. But, I, I'm yes, trying, but now, I'm mainly but now trying that, to tie this right. to like a similar entertainment market. But now that we're injecting more money into anime, is it just going to be the same story over and over again? Here is it's hard to feel like it isn't but you know i mean tangentially related to this i think 
like I've never been entirely clear on the way that IP ownership works in Japan as it relates to anime companies. So, for example, Gainax do not own Evangelion, even though you know they were the studio that financed and produced it. Correct. And I've never quite understood how that works. Well, wasn't that wasn't that uh, didn't that have a lot to do with the whatever legal mess happened with Anno trying to bail them out more so than your standard well. I mean, IP even, ownership in, e- Japan, in Japan. Even before but... the Ano business, like, I mean, Evo was a weird situation because it was, I mean, my understanding is it is a show that nobody expected. I mean, of course, I think they hoped it would do well, but it is a show that nobody expected would be as big of a deal as it ended up being. I mean, for years, there were rumors it was a tax write-off, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we know Gainax doesn't pay taxes. <laughs> okay, yes. But, uh, and we can yeah, say so... that now because it's been legally proven. <laughs> yes. So, again, we are not legal experts. We are certainly not anime businessmen. But uh, my understanding is that the traditional method is like the studio... You have the studio, which actually produces the anime, and then you have like the committee, right? The production right. committee, yes. which is usually a... like loose conglomerate of different companies with their own vested interests who are like co-funding the anime you know so you have like the you know you have like the you know the music label who's there you have through pony canyon in the beginning uh (laughs) right you have like you have like several of the companies who are investors you have a representative from the studio and stuff like that right and so that's kind of more the traditional method and kind of what they're talking about here i think is more like Again, it's hard to say how it works out in practice, but I think the idea and the hope is that either studios, you know, try to pull a trigger or a or a Kyoani or a Toei and just get like full rights to it, or at the very least they get to have more say on the production committee, which in turn gives them more ownership of the of the work as a whole. Right. Okay. Well, just interesting little insight. I always like when we get like specific details and numbers about things that we normally never get to see. Yeah. I mean, like uh, Japanese it, business practices are secret at the best of times, and at the anime industry, like triply so. So it's always nice to get anything approaching hard data out. Yeah. I will also and, just point out like one last thing. Like, I don't doubt this guy is, like, if, if these are the numbers he's saying, I assume he is telling the truth about, like, these are the numbers he's aware of. But I guess it does, I mean, we did kind of briefly point it out, but, like, I'm looking at his anime news network profile, and it looks like he's, A, not worked on that much, but also, B, it's almost entirely CG productions. And so, yeah. like, I'm not sure necessarily how those numbers, like, 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 yeah, do, those, I, do those numbers also apply to traditional 2D production I, as well? I feel like I've seen the approximately 150,000 US dollars per episode figure right, float right. around a few times. I mean, like, so. I always remember hearing, like, the old adage of, like, oh, man, like, Gurren Lagann cost 250k an episode or something, and that was a big deal at the time yeah. or something like that. Sure. Yeah, I, I would, um... <laughs> Like, the numbers he gave were, like, kind of weirdly specific, so, like... Right, but they're so weirdly specific, I don't assume he's lying, it's just that, (laughs) like, how how informed is his information? You know, who knows what, you know, regardless of what projects he personally worked on, you know, who knows what information he has access to, right? So, Um, so the the last two things I'll say is that his profile picture on Anime News Network is him in Iron Man cosplay, 
and apparently <laughs> his blog is called Bazinga. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, waypoint. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, was... oh, sorry, that's a deep cut for... Yes, that's a pretty deep cut, but... <laughs> I just the, that, that, like, those the, have nothing to do with those. Have, those have nothing to do with his expertise, but I just had to point those two out as things I noticed on on this page. I mean, I will say that it's notoriously difficult to get pictures of people who are involved in the anime production. Sometimes, like I feel like even some relatively <laughs> high-profile like figures. It's gonna be like, like the only thing that comes up if you do a Google image search of him is him in an Iron Man suit. Apparently, uh, yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> I like how uh, Yo Yoshinari is. Uh... Wikipedia pictures. I'm giving a thumbs up at the camera. Right. Uh, oh yeah, the classic thumbs right. up. Yoshinari so next, picture. next, uh, next episode of the podcast, we'll we'll rate and review uh, Anime News Network profiles of various <laughs> uh, sure anime directors. <laughs> That'll be a new segment when we have nothing to talk about. So, all right, let's uh, let's move on to one other topic I wanted to mention, which. I probably normally wouldn't have brought up, but given the in light of other recent news surrounding Crunchyroll, we talked about last episode how they AT and T is shopping them around, and we we're talking about you know how they may or may not be doing these days. Uh, Crunchyroll announced new pricing, uh, which is going to be a three tiered plan that you can you can pick different options. So uh- I should mention. Prior to this, there has only been one tier. Well, they've tried one, like two tiers before, I think, a long time ago. But for most of Crunchyroll's existence, it's been like one price. I should also the, point the out, by the way, that the multi-tiered model is only in the United States at the moment. Yes, but I, I imagine they are probably gonna be. I, I, they, they said something about, yeah, other regions will have other things, but yeah. I imagine they, they'll probably want to move in this direction, but. But, yeah, I, I just think that's an important disclaimer at the moment, at least. Yes, yes. So, um, so in this new tier thing, uh, it'll can you can continue to do the seven ninety nine a month, which is basically what they have now. But they are moving up to a nine ninety nine a month, which will offer offline viewing and four concurrent streams. Which, first of all, I didn't know you couldn't concurrent stream, but I've never tested it. Or maybe that's something that they're adding in here. I don't know, but uh, you know, you can you can do up to four concurrent streams, and then they'll have the offline viewing, which I don't think anybody knows for sure what they're gonna do with this. But I'm assuming that's just gonna be like download within the app. It's not gonna be like, hey, I can download an MP4 of this episode right, or something right. like that. I mean, I, this this very much is based on the Netflix model, I right? Believe. Netflix and other video apps yeah. kind of do that, and that stuff is all in the app, as you say. Right. So it's so primarily it's supposed to be for people who are who might not have an internet connection later after they've downloaded it if they're you know Traveling, on a train, yeah, on a train somewhere or something, and you want to watch on your iPad that kind of thing. Uh, Although I don't know if that's uh, somebody's going to figure out how to hack that and uh, make fan subbing even easier, but you know the Gloria blog does not officially endorse uh, <laughs> piracy of any kind. So. Also, how much easier can it get? <laughs> yes, um, and and then finally, there's a fifteen dollar tier, which will get you up to six concurrent streams. So um, and, finally, know, I can watch have... all sexy shows simultaneously. <laughs> 
you have you know fun for the whole family there mom dad and all the kids uh, and grandma <laughs> can can watch concurrently uh, you, uh and on top of that there's some like uh store discounts and other things that probably oh there's a swag bag what i'm their, sorry what they're yeah. like manga arm that was well no that's that's there. already included oh, well, dang. in all of them yeah they 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 they, they brought that they merged that together a long time ago. Yeah, they folded it into the main subscription. Yeah. So that so yeah, so that ultimate fan tier is the the 14.99 a month. So just kind of interesting cuz we one of the points we mentioned last time was, you know, is Crunchyroll hitting their subscriber saturation point uh, you know, and if you're if you're not getting new subscribers in at a high at a high rate anymore, you know, this feels like a well, how can we continue to get more money? even more money out of continued, yeah, you yeah. know, continuing subscribers. subscribers. Yeah. This kind right. of feels like so, a weird situation because, like, I don't know, man, you describe those tiers, and I'm not sure I'm necessarily seeing... I don't think there's enough difference between them, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I'm not sure right. I'm seeing the value add. Like, it... it... The only, um, I mean, obviously, if offline streaming is important to you, then maybe that's an incentive to pay two more dollars a month. That's not bad. Fair, but, fair, but but that seems like a kind of a niche case, I would think. And uh, like in in a world which increasingly, you know, um, we have mobile data, we have fast mobile data. Um, you know, people are used to watching things on phones and tablets right. and stuff like that. It's less of a big deal than it would have been, say, five I years ago. I mean, with ago. with a, with America's terrible infrastructure, though, there are a lot of people out there that yes. need that. Right. So I, I think that's a valid thing. I don't know if it's, you know, a huge, you know, there's going to be a lot of people signing up for that. It'll move the needle for some people, it. but... Right. I, Will it move the needle for a lot of people? I'm not so sure. And, you know, if you were particularly, uh, you know, if if you don't mind sharing passwords, uh, if you have six concurrent streams and you, right. everybody splits that up by $15, you know, everybody gets Crunchyroll for $2. That's, you know, maybe not a bad deal if you, yeah. you, you want to split it up that way. But other than that, like, it just seems like kind of trying to find something like especially right. on the on the highest tier where they're like oh you know you can get uh oh the the, the discount is terrible it's 25 dollars off a purchase of 100 dollars every three months yeah the, like the the disclaimer <laughs> just makes it sound a little bit desperate like to be honest. like even even the 25 off of 100 is kind of lame because that's what like a 25 percent coupon if yeah. you spend 100 dollars, and then like every three months is then like oh now you've reduced that to like you know Eight percent or right. something. <laughs> and, like, like, if you're, speaking if you're of, buying, if you're regularly buying like two hundred fifty dollars figures, though. If right, if you're spending a hundred dollars a month on figures and t-shirts, uh, you'll get you'll save eight percent. So um, yeah, I mean, speaking as somebody woo! who who used to spend multiple hundreds of dollars a month on figures and stuff, like having it be on a three month timer is kind of not that <laughs> That's really really lame yeah. like here's our suckers game man it's all you, you got to get in on gumpla coin that's that's the hot market buy oh, uh, is that, is buy that gotcha still... crystals for your mobile games i don't fucking know <laughs> oh yeah well yeah if they gave me if they gave me discounts on uh, grand blue crystals then maybe i'd be more interested but, <laughs> uh <laughs> so um yeah just just interesting as you know in, we're kind of, I feel like we're 
in a transitional period here with Crunchyroll, and I'm kind of curious to you know where they're going to be headed with you know their originals initiative with Sony and Funimation breathing down their neck, uh, you know with the with right. the company up for sale. There's a lot of things going on. Like you know, is Crunchyroll the Crunchyroll of today going to look the same? You know, a year or two from now. I, and... I mean, I also feel as well that in the last couple of years, Crunchyroll has become mainstream in a way that anime perhaps hasn't been for quite a while now right you know they've 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 invested a lot in advertising and a lot in uh you know outreach stuff and i think it has paid dividends i will say like just based on my experience with uh quote-unquote light people controls nowhere still like anything that's on netflix will get a billion more viewers than Crunchyroll. right I think if anybody is, like, at any level an quote-unquote anime fan, they know what Crunchyroll right, is. But yeah, your yeah. average person, your average person who doesn't regularly watch anime or anything is still not really going to be aware of it. I, I think that they're more Netflix, aware but... of it than they... I think that they're more aware of it than they would have been, again, a few right. years ago. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, if you're, just... you know, if your average person who only watch, you know, who's only watched, like, my Hero Academia, they might know Crunchyroll, but, like, uh... Chances are they're probably watching that shit on Hulu. Right. I mean, it's just... I think it's just... Like, yes, on a sliding scale, yes, I think you can say Crunchyroll is more mainstream now than it was, say, five years ago, but... I don't know that market has also gotten a lot more crowded in the last five years. So I feel like, for better or worse, this definitely feels like Crunchyroll is struggling to... to find something, because... Well, I don't... I... I would not think that Crunchyroll... I would think Crunchyroll is doing very well right now, but perhaps it's a concern of, you know, how is the market changing in the future and how are things, you know... Like I said, have they reached that... Do they feel like they've reached their peak now at this point I mean, and now they have to find ways to, you know, diversify? I, 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 and I think the difficult thing is ways. that Crunchyroll is, you know, by its very nature, a niche streaming platform, right? Like, it airs anime and anime that's basically it right like and when you have to complete compete with something like netflix for example where anime is clearly not like the focus of netflix but for netflix they can consider that a value add right like they're they're banking on people who already have netflix subscriptions and maybe a new anime every season or two is enough to convince them to keep it when whatever live action they already subscribe for is not doing it for them but Crunchyroll can't really do that kind of expansion, so... But I think my concern, at least, is that because, you know, the people who own Crunchyroll demand increasing profit and they demand increasing right. revenue, that Crunchyroll will have to try and become that, and I think that will be bad for the health of the business. Right, like, I don't think this is... I don't think this move is because Crunchyroll is losing money, it's because the the way capitalism works is you have to not only continue to make a lot of money, but you have to make more money than you made last year or people get fired. So, um, you know, that's, I mean, you see this on practically every big company where they'll just, you know, make stuff up for the sake of saying they tried something, you know, like, I mean, yeah, that's literally the Netflix model, (laughs) like, like Twitter adding features that nobody wants or that kind of thing. Like, (laughs) because they have to do something because they're trying to, you know, make more money than they made last year and you know uh that's i probably more so the situation here than you know Crunchyroll seeing any decline or anything i i would i think we've already, we kind of touched on last last time I mean, they have more subscribers than they've ever had 
anime overseas, as we were just talking about, is more popular than it's probably ever been. So, you know, it's it's how do you keep the, the needle going up and or at least prevent the needle from going down, so... I think my fear, at least, is not that Crunchyroll will go out of business. My fear is that Crunchyroll will be absorbed into a larger company and then we will have an effective monopoly, I think, especially since they, like the word is, they were actively courting Funimation for that sale. Um, oh, I don't know. When when Crunchyroll and Funimation were uh, were uh, hooked up together, uh, that was pretty great. But... Right, but, <laughs> but they were explicitly not the same business then, that's the thing. Like they they were it was a strategic alliance, call it what you will. Yeah, you no, they, right. They were not they were not merged together. It yes. was a partnership, right? Yes. Um, but I mean, the end result was I could watch both for the same amount of money. Yes. So um, <laughs> whatever whatever gets whatever gets to yeah, that point, gets I'd be all done, supportive. Right. Yeah. But uh, you, you know, it doesn't seem like that's a sustainable. They're they're, yeah. they're kind of like oil and water at this point. It feels like so. I I, I also think that a huge amount depends on how the anime like business within Japan wants to adapt and evolve over the next few years. Because you know a, a lot of we're seeing a lot of the major streaming services, you know, like Hulu, like Netflix, increasingly begin to rely on their own uh, custom created content as a unique selling point, and you know whether anime continues to be produced in the same volume for television or whether it does become a more a la carte thing that's made on commission i think will affect affect how these businesses play out in the next few years yeah all right well yeah we will see i can tell you i will be staying at 79 and 7.99 a month <laughs> uh personally but uh, <laughs> hey yeah uh, with that uh, con subscription we can watch the great pretender right <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe we can do a Glorio group Crunchyroll account. <laughs> press and, uh, press, press we can, yeah, yeah. yeah, we can just pass around the six uh, streams, uh, hand them out. But yeah, all right. Well, let's put the business talk aside then and get into some actual anime talk. Uh -huh. Finally, it's only been thirty-four Finally. minutes. I know. Seriously. <laughs> um. Y'all gonna cut Let's... into my build divers tangent? Oh, we'll we'll we'll, ha we'll have plplenty of time, uh, I'm sure. But uh, let's talk about let's come back to Great Pretender, the London Arc. Yeah. When we last chatted, you guys were halfway through, and you've now finished it. So we can kind of dig a little deeper into what happened. Um, what did you guys did, did any did did the last two episodes change your mind? Let's put it that way. A little bit. Your opinion. Um, I I think arc. I think that I think that it is clearly a more low st like it might sound silly to say low stakes when they're trying to swindle someone out of thirty million pounds, but it definitely feels a lot more low key than the you know super exotic swindles we've seen up to this point, and uh, I kind of enjoyed that. You know, I think that as as something that's a bit smaller, a bit more character focused, um, it was a nice change of pace. Sure, yeah, I guess when you frame it that way, um, I could definitely see see where that's coming from. I, I I think for better or worse, for me, I would say no, nothing has changed. I still like the show, but also it hasn't really done anything to... to 
I'm not saying that a show constantly, like, must escalate with every episode, but... The London arc was good. It was solid. It, w it was... It was satisfying to watch... Fucking, I forget his name every time, British McFuckface get his shit pushed in. Hi. Um, you know, that was very satisfying. Um, yeah, Copeland or something like that. Um, you know, it was, you know, it's always satisfying to watch the, the con play out, right? Like, to see, to, to watch the Rube Goldberg machine play out, right? Like, all the pieces fall fall in place. I... Would you say it left you wanting more, though? Yes, maybe that's, maybe like that's, could, like, I like I get what I get what Zig is saying with having like sort of the more personal, low key thing be a nice change of pace to a certain degree, but I kind of don't want that in the show. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, 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 I just like for that. me, it it almost felt like, oh, here we go again. This con will also, like, serve as a moment of self-actualization for one of the members of the crew. Makoto will prove his, like, worth to the group because of, like, his unique brand of, like, oh, he's sincere. He actually means it when he says these nice things. And, like, that's almost a con in and of itself. Like, I can appreciate those elements. And then, you know... They fuck over the bad guy, but they don't fuck over, like, the nice person who's, like, adjacent to the bad guy. <laughs> and, yeah, it's, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, dude, this dude was never meant to be, like, a real threat, right? Like, he was, you know, he was, uh, you know, this dude's small fry, right? Like, he's, like, I mean... He, he, you know, he was a mark, right? Like yeah. he was always going to get, he was always going to get screwed over in the end. I mean, it's... he's definitely not a threat to the same level as the previous two, who have been, you know, very focused on physical violence. Yeah, that's definitely one way to put it for sure, right? Like he's, he definitely didn't have like armed goons or anything this time around. But I think then the thing that actually like maybe almost works against this arc is like, I never asked this question before, but this was the arc that actually began to make me poke a little bit at, like, I don't want to say the believability, but certain aspects of, like, what was happening here. Like, how'd they get that castle? Like, <laughs> like it's one thing to, like, it's, like, one thing to, like, renovate a hotel room, right? And, like, fill it full of, like, you know... If you have those kinds of resources, why are you still robbing art Right, like, if you have no resources to either A, rent a castle, or B, make a castle, make a fake castle in, like, the English countryside, like, yeah, why are you robbing people? Like, I mean, just, I... Why don't you just build yourself an actual castle and live in it? Like, I mean, I feel like the unspoken rule of all of these con shows is that the people doing it aren't necessarily in it for the money, they're in it for the thrills, right? Right. Yeah, but I right. feel like even like, even fucking the Fast and Furious franchise at a certain point like, realized that like, Vin Diesel couldn't be in it for the money anymore, because that doesn't make any sense he lives in like... Uh, excuse me G, it was never about the money it was always about family. I'm just saying he lives in like, <laughs> fucking like, an LA suburb, those are expensive, but not like rob a fucking safe expensive 
but like so so of course they have to introduce personal stakes right like ah you know now now for don toretto it's personal right because like the the thrill of getting the money back doesn't work anymore and like again i i don't i i i know it's dumb to even poke at this but it's like it's just like i guess in a lot of ways this 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 con almost felt a little too like predictable like you know, they get the artist that's Cynthia's boyfriend, or Cynthia's, like, old flame to, like, make a new fake painting, and then, you know, they hawk it off with, like, zero complications, right? Like, you wanted something to go wrong. Yeah, because my favorite thing about the L.A. arc to this, you know, which is still my favorite of all of them, is that it all goes tits up, right? Like, like... Or at least it seems like it does. Or at least it seemed to it, right? Like, right. it ends at least, with a fucking... At least they teased us. Right, right. right. <laughs> like, at least, you know, again, before it was with, uh-huh, no, actually, it was all part of Lawrence K. Kaku. He was in control the whole time. But before that moment, it was like, oh, fuck, there's a fucking, like, three-way, like, you know, Mexican standoff with, like, you know, the FBI and, like, you know, the drug, you know, the, 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 drug, the drug dealers and, like, it's like, it felt exciting because it felt like I think it's just way more exciting when the pl- the plan goes wrong in these kind of like heist like con man scenarios and right how do they deal with the the curveballs and the plan and right all that? and so right. like the Singapore arc was like you know again maybe because it was the follow up arc I was like oh like we already know Laurent is in control the whole time and now with this third arc where not only do they reveal that Lord was in control the whole time but Laurent even arranged for Makoto to be in uh, Nice because he knew he somehow like predicted that like Copeland and Makoto would be by being in the same town they would cross paths and like he right. he, he calculated that Makoto would accidentally sell the painting like underpriced and that that would force him to work with with lauren again and it's like wait if you planned it that deeply like yeah it's i don't know man i think this is all gonna depend for me on how the quote-unquote final arc shakes out right because this final arc seems to be like a a full-size thing right so like and there's the very yeah i think I think the next part is supposed to be just one big arc for the, yeah. the last stretch. And, like, the end of this episode clearly hints at, ah, right, like, Lawrence has his own baggage, his own backstory, and we'll be getting into that in the next arc. And it's like, I swear to God, if your explanation is just, oh, no, Lawrence got, like, a anime sister with, like, anime cancer disease or something. <laughs> that's, like, what I, that's what I said. That's what I predicted like, weeks ago. <laughs> and he's got to get the money to afford the surgery in America or something, like... I don't know. That 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 ain't gonna work for me. Like that's that's not gonna fly anymore. It's so when in like, doubt, yeah. go fully moto. Uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> I Iro, what did you what did you think about this arc? Um, y'all kind of said it all. <laughs> like I don't necessarily disagree with any of you. To be honest, like yeah, I think it is uh probably a little predictable, especially after the previous arc. I just don't think that's necessarily a problem if the final arc can pull together uh, in a good way. Like, the middle of a show being a little formulaic as it explores the characters is okay with me. If right. the, uh, there's a payoff or, like, there's actual peril or something going on for the final arc... Uh, where 
the time spent getting to know them in this way is put to use. Um, right. I mean, I so before we get to speculating what's going to happen in the the final part, I, I just want to say, you know, from my end of it, I didn't really like this arc, um, and some of the things aside from what you guys mentioned, it being kind of formulaic and predictable and whatnot. Um, I really didn't like the whole Cynthia romance plot thing, which felt like, mm. like a sappy romance movie thing to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was it, like, it, I kind I kind of, uh, I kind of alluded to it last time of like, you know, why did they have to make it? So, Oh, you know, she's really just a normal girl. It used to be a waitress. You know, why can't she just, you know, to repeat myself, be the, you know, badass champagne guzzling, you know, globe trotting thief that we know her right. as like fujiko mine um, doesn't need a tragic backstory she can just be a bad bitch who loves to rob people and that's right. that's great that works <laughs> but in, but they, they they there was a lot of like bad romance movie vibes coming <clears throat> off of that for me mm-hmm. i mean i think the uh, problem for me is that like they line. didn't even subvert it like it is literally the like Yes. Sensitive, soulful artist and, like, you know... Yeah, there was no switcheroo there. Spirited it waitress was... finding love, and it's just, like... Because, like, they didn't, even and, and, get, they didn't even get into, like, what makes Cynthia turn to crime, right? Right. Like, and, like, that's supposed to be... This is her arc. That is supposed yeah. to be the heart of this, this story. And I did not, like, enjoy that part at all. Because, like, I think for better or worse, like, at least as fucking... As fucking ridiculous as Abby's backstory is, at least you sort of understand, ah, this is why she becomes the person she is today. Right. right? right Whereas, right. like, with Cynthia, it's like, the last scene we get from the flashback is them just breaking up. But, like... I mean, it's it's, it's supposed to imply that she has... She, her personality is just her putting on a front to hide what, you know, sure, whatever but then, she's running but then how from how did she get whatever. into crime in the first place, right? I mean, that was the thing I wanted to see, right? Like, so what... Because with yeah. Makoto and Abby, we get to see how the circumstances of, like, for both Makoto and Abby, like, it's circumstances outside of their control that, for better or worse, force them into a life of crime, right? But for Cynthia, because we don't see that moment, it's like, wait, did she, like, get into my, crime after breaking up with her boyfriend? Like, that's that's it? <laughs> my, yeah, no, they never, they never uh, obviously say it. My feeling was the implication because she was trying to be an actress right right my 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 i felt like they were implying that she did obviously did not make it into acting and that probably she realized she could use her acting skills for the life of crime that she's currently in then i would have liked to have seen that instead uh, yes i yeah i feel like they could have uh given us more of an indication that that was the case but um you know that aside because and and you know that's kind of a big deal, like I said, because this was her arc. Like, that was supposed to be the emotional core of what was happening, and it really wasn't. It, but, and it just fell kind of flat for me on that end of it. Uh, on the flip side, and possibly a bigger problem that I have was uh, the ending. How Makoto flipped the real painting back to the, oh, the guy. yeah, that. And in general, I'm really disappointed with where they've gone with Makoto, because... You know, you know, he's. Uh, I'm cool with him just being like the, you know, the, the, the well-meaning dork of the group, but like, you, you know how in the first arc he did that one cool thing where he looked like he put something over on Laurent and yeah. like, he was like, okay, yeah, Makoto right. actually can, you know, 
you know, get some stuff done here. That was really and, good. Like, to, to, to this to, to date, he, that has is still he my done, favorite moment in the series. Has he done anything cool since then? No. Like, <laughs> like here's the thing, right? Like, you ask, like, yeah, what, what does Makoto contribute to the Singapore arc? Like, other than pretending to be a mechanic, like, nothing, right? Like, and it's almost the same thing here with the, the, the London arc, right? It's like, for both, for both Singapore and London, Makoto's job is to be the heart. And it's like, I don't want the heart in my anime about Robin motherfuckers. Yeah. Like, <laughs> when 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 he's when they reveal that he actually returned the real painting back to the guy, which still screws him over because of how much he paid for it, but um, you know, screws him over less. And then they're like, oh, well, I guess we're not really art thieves, ha ha ha. And that like that like feeds into the the problem I've been saying every single time about like they're trying so hard to justify the actions of these people beyond what needs to be justified and and specifically with Makoto like he he, ha- he hasn't done any of that he hasn't done anything cool since the you know the first arc and he's literally just a nerd on the, the, <laughs> the on the squad he's just he's just he's just like exactly what he is and I, I you know it's that's disappointing and kind of annoying in the context of a show like this to me so right like, all right you, can, you, you, can you... i offer a rebuttal after you're done with this okay go ahead yeah so i think some of the points you raise are certainly valid i think that the romance stuff is potentially interesting but it does come off as very treacly and you know a bit completely saccharine. To- yeah saccharine right. is the word you know it's tonally not the kind of place you want to be in for this kind of show but I, I think you know there's two points i would make one is the entire premise of heist shows is that they are incredibly predictable like it, it's very much a genre where execution over originality counts if that makes sense and um you can argue that the execution was not good and i'm might be with you on some levels there but i don't think a lack of originality is necessarily something you can hold against the um the premise because again the whole point of high shows is that you go through the same motions with a slightly different twist every time the other thing i would say about makoto is that you say he's the heart i don't necessarily think that's true i think he's something much more important i think he's the everyman you know because although he's a con artist he's fairly small time compared to these dudes and i think he provides an important worldview that the audience can empathize with in that he's amazed by the audacity and by the complexity of these plans as well and when he looks like a nerd when he looks like he's been outfoxed that's kind of what he's there for but i'm not talking about when he gets outfoxed i'm talking about when he is you know mr bleeding heart let's give the real painting back uh that kind of stuff is more unnecessary to me and honestly and, even I, I even i would push back against the everyman thing like i don't actually think these shows necessarily need you know an everyman in that regard right like yeah because like i i i personally get tired of makoto getting like awestruck every single time they pull off a ridiculous heist because like, <laughs> it's, it's like he's been through a few of them now right because he's he's like that guy in like every battle shonen who's like just stands there on the sidelines going oh no way they did the x technique i'm losing my mind and it's like okay yeah like we get it like it's shut up like, yamcha it's just like it's just like it's so like i'm just like <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so done with that archetype like you know just like the right like the you know the 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 hapless everyman who gets dragged into the hijinks, but like has no agency of his own in the plot line. It's it's yeah, and I I sure. would I would 
I would push back again on the predictability thing. I mean, obviously, we all know they're going to pull the job off. That's never in question. But like, it's the it's the thrill of like, oh, how are they going to get out of this mess? Yeah, of course, and of course. There was like none of that in this arc. It was like I don't I I can't remember any specific incidences of like other than like Makoto messing up the first time where he he undersells the painting, like everything else from there was fairly smooth sailing other you know yeah. so yeah i think that's kind of more what we're leaning toward but sure um you know as far as moving forward you know if we are getting one big arc that will theoretically be focused on laurent like you know i i don't know that i feel like they could you know they could pull it off if we finally you know if if we finally get some kind of uh you know challenge to Lawrence uh you know superiority in here but you know is it actually just going to be like we said he's got a sick little sister he's been doing this for this whole time you know I, I, I could see that go either way I mean I think the twist that I would be most interested in is oh he's actually a scumbag like I, yes I would love I, I think that. I think that would be like a like Will, will like, he be the real? I, will he be like the real villain? That's what I've been saying the whole time. Right? Like, that's I, 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 I don't necessarily think that it has to be that he's the real villain, although that's certainly something you could do, and I think would be very, um, very like impressive. But I, I think, I think you know, um, the thing I would like to see is perhaps a more realistic uh, exploration of why he is the way he is and what drove him to this, and I think. You know, that could be naked greed, it could be, you know, a need to control or something like that. But I think giving the character some edge would definitely be of benefit here. And I think whether that's whether you make him the villain or you just paint him in a poorer light, I think that would be the thing I would want from this final arc. Yeah, I, I do think it's a real possibility it could end up being Makoto has to take him down and that would I be would cool. love that's what right. I yeah. wanna say, yes. But I think it's not a guarantee that that's the route we're going. Let's yeah, put it right. that way. So, based on what we've seen so far. I mean, alright, fine. Hear me out. Hear me out. Here's how we can fix the finale of Great Pretender. So, so Don Toretto's crew is, like, basically unstoppable <laughs> at the end of Fast, Fast and Furious 4. Nothing can stop them, man. They're the king. They're, they're the best street racers. They're the best robber guys. The... I Han mean, is Han is there. Like, what could possibly go wrong? I mean, like, and, Fast and, and Furious. What are they doing? What, what are they doing? Fast and Furious I'm, I'm just going to say, G, Fast and Furious 4 literally ends with Dom in jail. Like, you can't say that they're invincible at that point. I, I know. mean, every every great uh, pretender arc ends with somebody with Yeah, somebody but in they, jail, they, right? break about at the, they break about at the start of 5. You yes, know, yeah, it, of so course, but I, I'm just saying, you know. Fine, right? and, but so, and so, and Fast 5, they're like, you can't stop Dom, Dom Toretto, it's impossible. So what do they do? You have to introduce someone even more powerful than Vin Diesel, and who better than... The Rock. The Rock. The Rock is now the villain of of the Fast of Fast Five, right? And that is a believable like uh, opponent for 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 Dominic Toretto's crew to face. And right. when they do eventually pull one over on the Rock, and he begrudgingly joins the crew, they're like, "Shit! Now the Rock's a good guy. We need someone even more powerful to oppose him." So I what know, you're saying, Jason Statham, and he kills Han. It's it's like that's the kind of escalation Great Pretender needs. So what you're saying is you want Great Pretender to be Dragon Ball Z. 
Yeah, fuck yeah, it. Bring in, bring in your next villain, right? Yeah. Uh, stronger, I mean, bigger in, and stronger. In all seriousness, what I actually mean by this is I think we need, if, if whoever is the next Mark, they need to be someone who's actually kind of scary, right? We someone need, that. Are you saying we need Dark Lauren? Either that or Lauren himself, right? Make yeah. Lauren right. the main villain, because that is someone I could believably be like, oh, fuck, how would Makoto defeat Lauren in a game of wits, right? We need someone. Yeah, right like that we need to, like all the other marks up till now have been like dumbasses right they all get screwed over in the end there's no tension anymore we need someone who's like i'm not gonna fall for your tricks or even more obviously pull up like a tab that says you idiots don't even use fake names like <laughs> you've called yourself cynthia at, at like six different points in this story like do you think i wouldn't catch up eventually right like just like i think i don't know i I just think that would be like the natural escalation at this point to like introduce some degree of uncertainty to to the plot. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. We, we I should I should note that uh, the current block of episodes is available on Netflix in other regions outside of Japan now, as of the past uh, you know week or two or something. So. You know, clearly we watched all of this after that came out, um, and. <laughs> The next block is due out September 21st in Japan, uh, Netflix Japan. So I don't know if they're going to dump them all or if they're just going to break it up again like last time. I guess we'll see, but um, we'll keep an eye on that. All right. Let's move on. I we got I barely even want to talk about this show that much, yeah. but we'll we'll touch on it real quick. we got a Pari couple Ron of quick Mon. hits here, right? Um, I... I've gone from being bored with the show to hating it again. <laughs> There's no raising! Um, episode 8... Talk about your Fast uh, and the Furious bullshit! Why doesn't this show have any racing either? There's yeah. like no racing in these two episodes. It's kind episode of eight, they Episode 8, they got... They continued to be into the whole Hototo revenge story, which... Ends, ends with uh, Kosami murdering a lot of people. <laughs> well, maybe murdering? It's actually kind of hard to tell. I feel like... It's fine. There's they no are bad blood, guys. so, like, I don't... Uh, they, they showed blood on one of the guys, uh, at least. Well, yeah, one of them. Yeah, not um, the others. And, and uh, Hototo says in episode 9 that he, his revenge is complete, even though Kosami did it for him. So, oh, so um, even though random guy is the real guilty cigar... Right. Could have seen that coming. Yes, because big surprise, the 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 mysterious uh, driver guy that nobody knows anything about turns out to be the real Gil or something, right? Yeah. But uh, point is, there was no racing, and yeah. uh, that whole revenge Hotito's whole plot line continues to, like dominate the story. And then, if you can think of anything else that you didn't want the show to do, it happens in episode nine. <laughs> okay, so here's right, the thing: right. <laughs> if, if I actually if, if Go ahead. No, no, you're okay. Yeah, like, if uh, a part of Ramon had lived up to what's meant to be uh, in our hearts, uh, that it most decidedly is not, episode 9 would be a perfectly fine episode. Right. Like, I actually... No, yeah, yeah, I I hear you. I have a soft spot for the bottle episode, which is just, let's just, like, mash these characters together and they get up to dumbass shit, right? Right. Like, let's have TJ get into a drinking contest with the... The, the the lady friend you know let's let's have 
the the guy go get a ha- go get a haircut and the barbershop's like hey could you go like shoot a bullet in my wall like I, it'd be a great, <laughs> great souvenir like i love that kind of like dumbassery you know but the problem is like that would be like a welcome respite in a show that had been about racing up till now <laughs> right yeah, the the title of the episode is Short Break, and it's like, we've been taking a break every single episode. Right, like, we don't need another break. And they're, like, introducing, like, let's fall, let's get into the backstory of the, the announcer guy with the glasses. Like, uh, no, we don't, <laughs> we don't need any of this. It, it's, like, it's like, it's, what are we taking a break from? We have not actually been doing anything. So, yeah, no, I, I hear you. Had this been an actual break... Mm-hmm in, you know, the non-stop racing action, it would have been fun to, you know, do the, you know, little slice-of-life vignettes with all the characters and everything, but because that's all the show has been up until now, uh, it was just, like, not helping my opinion of the show at all. So, um, I don't know if we have much more to even say at this point Eh. other, other than that, but, you know, that continues to be a huge disappointment. Um, but hey, it's almost over, right? <laughs> We've got yeah. three, three more episodes or whatever. Something like that. Yeah. Alright. Um, let's move along to Gundam Bill Divers Re-Rise, which actually finished this week due to the yes. weird timing of the with the COVID delays and whatnot. So, um, we had episode 25, 26... What did you guys think of the ending? It was totally fine. I mean, I don't think it was particularly special, but uh, it wrapped up its plot threads. Uh, we got some fun cameos. You know, uh, at the very least, they did not uh, re- they did not redeem uh, the bad guy. They still blow- blew him up. Yes, I, I at least yes, I, <laughs> I did appreciate that for all our talk of fears. Oh, they're just gonna talk him down through the power of friendship. At the end, he's like the hero is like, I hope you find peace in the next world, bitch. <laughs> Blam, <laughs> blast the motherfucker. Right. I mean, his data or whatever still reincarnates as a new digital baby, but uh... right. Yes, yes, he gets reincarnated. Yes, the the, the yes, the, he gets reincarnated as an ISO baby. Which yeah, is... you can't actually kill somebody no. in the kid show, right? But they did not uh, but... redeem him. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Gonna build divers re rise. It's a weird one. Like, it is. I appreciate it. Like broadly, I would say it was better than I feared. Like, <laughs> it's. I mean, it was definitely an improvement over the last. Oh yeah. Divers, right? Oh yes, without a doubt. Yes, like. Build Divers Re-Rise is... <laughs> it's oh, no. probably, uh, by process of elimination, the second best Gundam build series in the franchise. Better than Try, then. Try has good fights, and that's literally it. Um, that, there's a few good character bits in Try. The good characters in Try get their shit pushed in by the characters we hate, so by <laughs> proxy, Try is a bad show. Sakai was robbed. Tryon was robbed. Uh, that's all I need to say. Um, he shows up in this ep- last episode, but he show- But yes, he does show up in Bill Divers Rerise. <laughs> like there, there is. It's a weird one because 
again, as, as you've heard us, like, talk about over the last, like, few months, Rerise is an interesting show. It floats legitimately interesting plot lines in its ch children's show framework about, like, uh -huh. about grief, about about war, honestly. Honestly, yes, it's more about of a war. Gund it's more of a Gundam show than any of the other Gundam builds. Yeah, like, it is the Gundam build that is probably the most about war and the costs it demands of, of of innocent people, especially children. And it it is constantly toying with these ideas in ways that tell me that like this is not accidental. Like this is not like they they accidentally stumbled into these interesting topics. They went into them wholeheartedly. But at nearly every turn, it would always take the safer path. The soft you know, you know, land the softer blow. It would never like fully commit to like the legitimately very interesting premise that it presents us with and so it's like would would this have been better if it was not explicitly a kid show as opposed to like more of a mainline hey, Gundam um, uh, I mean I mean the mainline Gundams are kid shows as well yeah, yes but, I mean, but I think, you know you know what I'm part saying part of why we're high higher than we might th have thought on the show is because we had extremely low expectations going in and then the first 10 episodes continued to lower our expectations with each passing episode and then it pulled out like actually good stuff and we were like yeah. oh now now the the gap between the our expectations of reality demands we get tricked into watching another core of this show. Oh yeah, no, like the, <laughs> the most successful thing Gundam Build Divers Rewrite has done is convince me to watch the next Gundam Build series. I mean, <laughs> I was probably going to do that anyways because I'm a sick, sick individual, but like now, now you're now your uh, hope level I'm is higher and that's dangerous that's yeah. dangerous like <laughs> your like, expectations you know like after gundam build divers the first season like my feelings were like you know i'd be fine if there was never if if there was never another gundam build series ever again like i'm good like clearly this show has proven that there is no hope for this franchise but because gundam build divers rewrites actually does by technicality, represent an upward trajectory. I'm like, what if they keep going with the interesting stuff they played with here in the next Gundam build series? <laughs> and that's a very forlorn hope to have. But, like, yeah, it 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 laid the foundation. It laid the foundation that this team, this team that has inherited the Gundam build series from the original staff, like have some ideas about the series and whether they they always work or not you know they they often didn't at least but yeah but you know we have a uh, definitive uh season two that's better than season one uh yeah yeah we have proof we have an example now. <laughs> we truly do <laughs> yeah that's a very rare uh and yeah, I don't know, man. It's 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 fucking it's weird, man. And like, this is even this is not even getting to the fact that like, honestly, the fights in the last couple of episodes weren't even that good. Like, there's some okay oh, moments. Oh, really? So they're carrying on uh, story. Oh, then, dude, huh? no, no. Gonna build divers is carrying on plot, not not action. Like, like in terms of wow. ac in terms of pure action, this series might be the worst of the whole series. It, it's That's it is good stuff though. A third, okay, fine. Third, it is better than divers, right? Because <clears throat> if nothing else. It does end with just 
a dude punching another dude with a fucking giant drill attached to his hand, which is always cool, but... Yeah, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, by, by the standards of the Gundam Build series, yes. It was carrying itself mostly on the quality of its narrative, a thing I never sure. thought I would say. It did have Odom, but... uh, Tigrini, the Ternax in the face. Uh... Right, we didn't even get to mention that, yes. Like, the villains, right, they... Uh, the, the villains, you know, we were hoping for deep cuts, but we finally got some deep cuts. Like, the villain busted few, out, yeah. like, its evil clones of, like, famous Gundams. And the theme <laughs> of its evil Gundams team were all Gundams that use funnel funnels. And for those of you not familiar, funnels are, like, semi-autonomous, like... Attack drones. Uh, attack drones that Gundams often use. And so they had the new, they had the thrones from Double O, and then they had... I was like, well, who else would you have in your lineup of Gundams that are famous for using, like, funnels? And who better to show than the fucking Turn X? Sid Mead's motherfucking Turn X shows up to <laughs> no. get its ass beat I by mean, Sid Mead's Wadam. I mean, I'm going to be that guy and point out that the Turn X doesn't technically have funnels because they're all autonomous parts, but go on. Yes, <laughs> but my, my, my point is, I mean, but that's what I mean, right? Yeah. Like, they could have just picked any old suit with funnels, right? But no, they picked, yeah. like... Could have picked a Yagadoga or whatever, right? Right, they picked the, like, the weirdo funnel suit, like... I mean, and... I, I, I must admit that when you told me that the Aou shows up in that thing, I kind of wanted to see it. For like I mean, that's the thing. That show, that shows. I mean, it's like for five seconds, but that show's great about deep cuts. It always has been. Like when it matters, right? Like mm. all sorts of weird, obscure suits show up. The O shows up fighting alongside fucking the Gun Cannon Three. The Gun Cannon Three, which has never shown up in an animated Gundam feature. <laughs> like it has always been like a drawing in a fucking magazine. That motherfucker shows up. Uh, Nobel Gundam uh, shows up. Nobel shows up. Giant right. Scissors. Yeah, like, which, to my understanding, is actually meant to be a deep cut to, like, this VTuber who's, like, oh. a Gunpla VTuber or something. Oh, okay. And, like, she, like, is a Moe anthropomorphization of, like, Gunpla, like, nippers. Oh. And, like, Great. she uses giant scissors as a weapon. <laughs> okay. So, like, that's what that... My point is that they... That's a hell of a sentence. Right. Yes. Carry on. <laughs> there, there's, there's a Better Man reference. There was episode. a fucking Better Man reference. That is true. Right. Like, not even Gundam. Just, like, the overall Sunrise umbrella. Like, dude literally says, what, I have control. I have control. Right. Yeah, like... When that show wants to, it can it can go better that man. way. It's Nobody just gives you know, a shit we... about better man. I feel like I I feel like a much more effective better man reference would have been if it just sucked. <laughs> well, it, it it did that too for <laughs> large portions of it, but uh, but I don't know. Uh, I mean, you you had some fun. Had it some sounds fun. like yeah, which like, is more the, than the, the, more the than I was getting of, off of the previous uh, ones. The idea because like the penultimate episode is them doing their charge on the villain or whatever and they uh beat him and then he's like well i'll just invade your world uh and he goes through the portal or whatever and just every player of the game or whatever is just waiting on the other end like sick of the new raid right it's very good like <laughs> let's, all just, let's just keep shooting these patties right yeah like it turns you know it ties to another show you know we'll, we'll discuss this podcast it does a very good bit where it ties into oh right like you're trying to invade the world of an mmo so of course the gamers are just going to treat this as hashtag content like 
I mean, like, to me at least, like, I appreciate that's funny, but also, like, I'm so tired of the, like, virtual reality game stuff, that's kind of just a turn-off in general. Like, I mean, that's been our issue with Gundam Build Diver since Season yeah. 1, is that we don't... We never cared but, for the virtual reality, I mean... But this series, most of it has not been that. Right, it's right. It's been on the... The furry planet, right? Because of the twist of the furry right, planet, yes. like it's not really an MMO show. It, except for the times but, when it lets itself be, and in it's in all fairness, the times when it lets itself be an MMO show are when it allows itself to have the most fun, weird, deep cuts, right? Because oh, it's an it's an MMO. Anyone can look like anyone, and anyone can field any mobile suit they want in this game. So this is when we can have our fun, weird cameos, right? Uh, okay, so I mean, overall opinion, uh, much higher than huh? Exceeds than the expectations. Yeah, exceeds it expectations. Like it. Yeah. And um, have they have they announced the new one yet? No, or? they've announced um, like bonus web OVA series yeah. for divers. It'll happen. They okay, did but... a, they did the same the battle log stuff for fighters. Uh, yes. And they announced they're doing some of those for divers. Yeah, and if if the trend holds true, then these one-off OVAs will basically serve as, like, a send-off for the current series before they introduce right. whatever is the next Gundam build, you know... Umbrella. Ins- yes, insert word here, uh, series. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any numbers to back it up, but I feel like I saw a lot more buzz on this one than the last Divers series, so it's, I don't know. I'm it's sure really it's popular. Like, I've doing talked, well. Like, amongst, like, Mecha... I gotta be honest, I have a little bit of beef with the Mecha fan base because, like... They're, like, weirdly high on Re-Rise in a way that I don't understand. Like, I, I enjoyed aspects of Re-Rise, but I've definitely seen some people out uh, there be, desperate, like... Desperate for mecha content. I think they is... might just be, because I've definitely heard people <laughs> be like, this is the best Gundam series in the last ten years. And I'm like, you're crazy. G-Reco came out in 2013 or okay, but or whatever. G-Reco but... <laughs> was excellent because it was bad. <laughs> no, G-Reco's good. I don't know what you're saying. Like, I don't mm. understand these oh, words. Oh, we're not, we're not opening that conversation yeah, on this yeah. uh, this episode of the podcast. But uh, I, I refuse yeah. to ever answer this 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 biased question of, is G-Reco good or bad? I believe it, it transcends such <laughs> mundane uh, quantifiers. Those are not the correct words to describe. It, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess um, you guys have something to look forward to now. <laughs> Uh, hmm. <laughs> You're not, not ready to go that far yet. Uh, we'll see. Um. All right. But besides, we what we really got on our plate next is fucking Hathaway's Flash. So let's not get into that right now. <laughs> yeah. Gun- Gundam. There's always a there's always a Gundam on the horizon. But there's yeah. always a new war, Al. All right. Let's uh move along to decadence. Uh-huh. Which uh, continues to be pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Hell fucking yeah. Um, Although it's good in kind of a different way these past few episodes. Yeah. I I feel like... Because I, I, I bas- I'm basically only watching this in a Pari Ranman, if we're being honest at this point. And I feel like there's some kind of... Uh, parallel you could draw as far as like... Or lessons you could learn on how and how not to make you care about the characters and what's going on. Um, where I feel like Apare Ranman spends... I mean, I I won't get into like every little detail, but Apare Ranman is trying so hard to make you care and spend so much time 
explaining with the characters and everything where you know where to the point where we've neglected the actual race and the actual action of the show and i feel like decadence gives you like just enough to uh kind of make you care about what's going on but you know still keep the plot moving and still keep you interested in what's going on but uh but yeah i mean we did get i guess i was specific i was specifically thinking that when we got to the part where um uh, Kaburagi comes back in his uh, new body, and he meets up with Natsume, and she kind of has her like little breakdown. And uh, also, I'd just gets... like to point out that his new body looking like a bootleg version of his old body, like it was the closest yes. he could get in the character. The closest creator, he could make is extremely the good. I did enjoy that. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't bring up last podcast, but I, I did. I, I did want to kind of like speculate about what Kabu's new body would look like. Like I was almost hoping that like. Because he's using somebody else's bootleg account, it just looks like total fucking Complete, shit or right. something, or like totally different. <laughs> but uh, master right. randomizer button on the character creator, right? But anyways, I was, like, is, I was thinking, is he going to be like a woman or something? Right, like, is right. Gonna, they're going to go in a completely different direction. But let's talk about the best part of that episode, is which Kabu gets politically radicalized by his waifu. <laughs> yes, that's ultimately, I guess, what I was getting to. Uh... <laughs> Kabu, Kabu is going to start a party. A communist party. <laughs> He's gonna tear down capitalism for his waifu. Capitalism his waifu. made ca- capitalism made Kabu's waifu cry, and thus he, he cannot tolerate <laughs> capitalism to live. Uh, yeah, they, they they have that super dramatic animation. Oh, it's so crying. good. <laughs> Where He's like powering up, basically. clenching his fist and staring at the heavens. Uh, he's gonna tear it all down it's it in all seriousness i actually really did love that moment because natsume's breakdown is not just like like it's not just a her revealing a moment of like emotional vulnerability what it really is is like and again i might be reaching here but ever since the director did his like reddit ama where he said no this show is definitely about capitalism I feel like I have a little bit more leeway to make this... this I mean, uh, I, I feel like if you watch these past couple of episodes and come, come to the conclusion it's about anything other than capitalism, you might be a bit dense. You know? Look, man, I think the same crowd that says Metal Gear Solid like isn't political are, but... are the same people who say Decadence isn't about capitalism, so... Right, you're in denial at that but, point, uh, right? Yeah, it's, but her breakdown is specifically because she feels she's not valuable enough. And I feel like that is, like, the very core of, like the very specific type of, like, modern millennial existentialism that is set into our generation specifically because of capitalism, right? Where your self-worth is defined by your value, your productivity to the system. And that's what Natsume is killing herself over, is that she feels she's not valuable enough, that she's not worth enough to the decadence. And that is why she has to push herself so hard, because she feels like she can't make a difference in the system otherwise. And... That's a really good re- like that's a really good reason to have an emotional breakdown. I feel like it it really it felt earned, you know, it felt in yeah, character right, yeah, with yeah. what what we've seen from her. Right. And I think that that moment really clinched it for me. I was like, oh, this show knows exactly what the fuck it's talking about. Right. And I mean, I I'm just going to say like leaving aside the possible political co- connotations of what they're going for, I just think it's really sh- it has really strong characters which make those moments feel natural and and earned, you know. I think that they've done a very good job of establishing what kind of people the characters are and that and you know, that pays dividends because their reactions feel 
authentic. And, um, you know, that is just the basis of good writing. You know, there's no no two ways about it. You know, it's just good writing. It's it's shocking how rare that is. (laughs) No, right? Weird. Hmm. Yeah. um, And and it's it seems so. It's. I mean, I know it's not, but it seems so effort effortless when it actually happens. Like it feels so natural, but uh, yeah, surprisingly a rare thing. Um, But yeah, that kind of gets into episode eight where uh, Kaburagi starts organizing his uh, workers' party for the revolution. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> I mean, and, can, uh... can I say something about episode 7 first, before that? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think that, you know, this is the first time that we've had an episode which is set almost entirely within the quote-unquote real world, the maquette, like the cyborg world, and I think it's a really good style contrast. Um, like, just of this like dirty grotty prison filled with these weird misfits and like i kind of wish that they hadn't gone back to decadence at all even for the short time they did because it 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 feels like a second show started in the middle of the show and i mean that in 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 a good way you know like it was such a strong stylistic shift that it it felt like the danger was real and it and like Kaburagi was in serious trouble in like in quote again quote unquote the real world which which was really you know I think was a really effective way to do it I mean I've already made my opinion clear last episode that I think the exact opposite of that <laughs> but uh <laughs> the but yes um well actually I've I, well come around Joe no if we if we look at if we look at episode eight um I thought that was actually a pretty good balance of being in the cyborg world and then they go into decadence to steal the body right yeah like I felt like that was kind of a good balance of getting just enough of both worlds that we needed yeah. um I do think for better or worse but, episode eight definitely felt to me like a setup episode right of like yeah. we're rallying yeah. the troops you know we're gonna give them speeches about how these shit-eating shit miners living in their shit need to rise up because otherwise they'll just be eating shit for the rest of their lives was very good. Rise up pieces of shit. Yeah, the joke about <laughs> what's in the fucking... Uh, the, 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 Stealing the body, the body thing. and putting in right. the, the like, cover. Robo-dildo sex toy thing or whatever <laughs> was, was a pretty good payoff. Uh. Um, but... Uh, yeah, that episode definitely felt to me like, ah, we're getting the pieces in play for, like, you know, the final sprint in the last few episodes. Right. You know? Yeah, it was, It was like, I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it would be anybody's favorite episode, but it, it, it handled the necessary business in a way that was, you know, good enough to watch, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, totally. But, uh, yeah, and, and we set up, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the commander guy of Decadence, like, his position on what's happening. Minato, what's gonna go I think. Minato, yeah. yeah, Minato, what's going to go on with that? Uh, the one guy who you could tell was going to double-cross them at I some mean, point no is fucking definitely <laughs> going to double-cross them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is not the most subtle use of the mole ever. Right. Right. Yeah. And we kind of have the setup of, uh, you know, Kaburagi and uh, Natsume are going to be the only two that are going to be able to go in and uh, attack God. So, uh, uh-huh. you know, we'll have to see how that goes. But yeah, I mean, it, it sets us up it's for, you know, whatever the last couple, whatever's going to happen in the last couple episodes. I hope we get some really, like, ridiculous escalation. 
Like, I mean, I I don't I think the thing I don't know if we need to go to space, but <laughs> I mean, they've, they've got we, something in space, right? Like, yeah, maybe we do. need to go to space. I think the um, thing I want to see is like the tankers and Natsume invade the yeah, 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 yeah. world, like we need to see and the just have clash. Yeah, yeah, like have that in have that huge crash of styles. That's what I want to see. Right. I mean, right. I feel like that moment Natsume is coming. Natsume, it's right, the real like, Kabu. Yes, yeah. I mean that. Bad. That's such an obvious payoff yeah. that I feel like it has to happen. Right. Like, G, you mentioned last time when when Natsume inevitably sees the real Kaburagi, is he going to be, like, a real robot, like, in, in the decadence art Right, style, like, is he going to be or... shaded realistically and, or right. drawn in the more normal anime style? I'm, I'm really curious because... That would be pretty, uh, pretty cool. Because, like, I feel like there's so many possible ways they could go about it, and... Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, again, I think this show's done a very good job of, like, like, if we're talking about shows that, like, you know, to compare this to, like, the, you know, like, I think, I think it goes without saying that, like, this season generally, like, Decadence and, like, Great Pretender have been the most solid shows this season, and I feel like, in comparison, like, the thing Decadence that is working for me very well is the constant escalation, like, is the, like, constantly, like, changing status quo of, right. of the characters, we're making progress. We're going somewhere, right. and that's that. That makes it very exciting to me. I mean, Decadence yeah. has the advantage of being like a super unique premise. Like Great Pretender is a very stylish, very well executed spin on a very old set of tropes, whereas Decadence is is pretty unique. Like, yeah, definitely. Right, uh, and it has a plot that lends itself to that. Right, yes. right. Yeah, I'm not saying. I mean, I know I'm comparing apples and oranges here, but I just mean that, like, for me personally, like this kind of escalation is like. This is why I consume fiction. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I'm still enjoying that show, at least. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm looking forward to where we're going with that. Um, but, uh, I guess, let's let's get back to some bad things before right, we wrap up here. The... So, uh, where are you guys at with Japan Sinks Episode 2020? Eight, and, uh, they probably could have skipped the entire cult arc considering the direction the show goes yeah the it's like so go ahead oh no no you can go here it's like after we escape the whole cult and all that like we just end up at the docks uh where you know people people are being evacuated from japan and it really is as if the cult arc did not happen at all. Never even happened. Like <laughs> zero consequences. Like, Let us zero never speak like, of this sure, again. Like, like sure, the old man is not there uh, anymore because he died at the cult. Except also a thing happens where narratively it would have been where they offloaded the old man because uh, apart from the official ships evacuating people who that leave, they also find a barge with nothing but pure blood Japanese nationalists. Who uh, only let on <laughs> triple Japanese? We're, yeah, we're talking about dudes waving like the old school Imperial Rising Sun flag. Oh well, at least we know what you happened know. to Shinzo Abe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let me tell you, you, you'd, you'd be really happy to find out what happens to that ship. Then right. it sinks, I'm assuming. <laughs> oh, it oh, doesn't just sink; it explodes. Excellent. Yeah, but like that just would have been where they offloaded the, the Japanese nationalist old man, presumably. Right. Yeah, because they don't take they don't take the rest of the family because the mother is is Filipino, so the kids by nature are are biracial and like. Just to what here's end? The thing. <laughs> Episodes seven and eight in a vacuum are like you know ignoring the production issues. Right. Episodes seven and eight in a vacuum are actually 
fairly solid post-apocalyptic fiction, right? Or or not or not apocalypse or not post-apocalypse, but like um, crisis disaster yeah. crisis exactly. fiction, right? Like episode seven is all about like you know this general like needs of the many versus needs of the few like sort of thing, right? Like right. They, they can only for some reason the entire Japanese navy only has one whole ship through which to evacuate people with, so, like, they have to be very choosy, right? right. And there, like, there, there's, like, there's a lottery for your ID number to say if you get to go on. Oh, but you're a yeah. track and field star, so you have a special exemption as a talented young person. Right, like, they prioritize people who are, like, will be good for the future of Japan and all that stuff, right? So, like, the main girl, the teenage girl, whose name I still don't fucking remember, Ayumu, uh, Ayumu yes, she, she gets on board, but then, like, she somehow retroactively realizes that turns out her mother has been on a pacemaker this whole time, and the batteries in her pacemaker have been slowly dying throughout this this series, and so she decides to get off the ship and run back because she'd rather like Be stay with, her with family. the family. Yeah, but like they also keep playing to this plot line of like she got a cut on her leg in episode one. And it has been clearly shown to be getting more and more infected with every passing episode. But like, oh god! For some reason, she doesn't get any attention for it. She like, has never this, brought this up, even when they're even they were safe up. at the cult for like two weeks. Yeah, she never told her mother, never told the rest of her family. She has kept it a secret from everyone but herself this entire time. And this is not a, oh no, I got bit by the zombie situation. This is literally, I have a festering wound that needs medical attention, but for some reason, I will keep it a secret. And so that that just keeps popping up as like a, a latent subplot, like for some bizarre reason. Oh, they're, but, they're probably gonna have to like amputate the leg or something so that she loses her one valuable thing. Right, about being that's a track like and field the, star, right? Yeah, like, yeah, like that is what I assume to be right. the case. Either, either that, or she just straight up dies. I mean, a wound that's gone that infected. I feel like I don't know. Your odds ain't looking good, but <laughs> I feel like that very specific plot thread of her being a, a track star yes, would yeah. feed into that. But, but uh, yeah, so the they they she runs off the boat, reunites with her family. Then another earthquake happens, and so they have to flee Fuji the docks. Erupts. Right, Mount Fuji straight up fucking erupts, and then they're trying to like find shelter. And there's like yeah, there's the ultra nationalist boat which won't take them, and then the cool old fisherman boat who's like, nah, I'm not a racist shithead. Get on board. But uh, then both of those ships sink. Both, both of those ships sink, basically. Uh-huh. And, and they're stuck on a they, life raft. Right. And so episode eight is basically your classic, like, you know, lost adrift episode right. where they're, like, you know, trying to stave off starvation and dehydration. and Punch this bird till it vomits up all its fish and then eat those fish. But not the sure. bird for some reason. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um and, yeah, and then they somehow reunite with the mom, like because they got like lost in the scramble, so it was just like the kids. But uh, then the mom found them, and they find a boat. But oh no, the boat's stuck because of debris, and she's a professional swimmer, so she's gonna go swim down to like loosen the anchor uh-huh. or whatever's caught on it. But also her heart's failing, so she manages to loosen it, but then drowns before she reaches the surface, and it's it's all very. It's very sad. Heroin very... disaster. Yeah. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, so that's just the kids and their yeah. and her classmate guy who has a hole in his shoulder from debris, but is somehow like physically capable enough to row a boat. I don't know, man. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Again, dude. like it's... the seven and eight in a vacuum are like totally like fine uh, plot wise. Like 
they at least follow right. the premise. It's just like, but in the context of whatever, right? It's just like you just left the, the it feels cocaine like, in it feels Street like Fighter too cult, too late, basically. <laughs> right? Like it's, right. it's it's just like nothing in the cult made sense because nothing in the cult contributes to the greater plot. Like none of the characters learn anything about themselves after the cult, right? There's no self-actualization. There's no character development. There's no, like, gaining of knowledge or resources from the cult. Like, you know, uh, it's... The the characters that were introduced in the cult arc die with the cult arc. Like, it's... Uh, It's literally just a black hole for this whole show. And the show... Like, here's the thing. Even at this point, I don't think I feel as strongly as Artemis did about, like, just her sheer contempt for this show. But, like, if the cult arc did not exist, I think I would just be like, oh, this is like an okay six-episode OVA. Like, you know, it's not amazing, but it's not terrible. But it's in the context of, like, this ho- the whole, like, artifice of what Japan sinks is. That it's... it's... We say yeah, it every it- week. I, I would love to be a fly on the wall or attend the, like, anime post-mortem where... And there's still two episodes left. Who knows yeah. what's going to happen? Uh... I assume Japan will <laughs> fully sink. Uh, yeah. Well, if there's one thing I did learn from the last arc is that if you put cocaine in your episode title, oh, yeah, the yeah, YouTube yeah. algorithm does not like it. I so... mean, it might even be if their algorithm detects you said the word cocaine... Oh, yeah, who knows? So you're saying we shouldn't say the word cocaine. (laughs) I'm saying we should not say the word cocaine. I think we had to say the word cocaine because that is, like, core to our values at the Gloria Uh blog. Yeah. Let me repeat that. Cocaine is core to the values at the Gloria (laughs) blog. What about Street Fighter? (laughs) And Street Fighter, of course, but they have to be done in tandem with each other. How else are you going to parry Chun-Li's kicks? super move <laughs> yeah all right well i guess we'll we'll finish that one off soon enough but uh let's move Speaking on of shows with episodes that have no narrative stakes and add nothing to the broader plot all right so so i i put uh digimon adventure back on the list here hmm. previously you guys were saying it was like average but i've heard you guys saying that it's just bad so yeah. has something changed or there's a couple of things um okay. i i think the first thing is the technical quality of the show has just diminished to such like a, a comical degree uh-huh. like we're oh, getting no. we're getting like yeah i know it's shocking isn't it a toei animation show that like went I mean, into right, the like, shit I mean, after toei either looks great or looks like shit right like this is zero middle ground i feel like yeah that brawly movie sure looked good yeah <laughs> I, and like but just you know the like we're getting like big showpiece fights that are composed entirely of like padding still frames and stuff like that yeah like there's not even any stock footage that they can fall back right. on because the stock footage is panning still frames. right like the original like, show yeah it repeated the same as stock footage every single time they used an attack but uh it meant that it at least looked okay every single time they used the attack Right. Are they using the same still frame, or at least getting a new still frame? <laughs> I mean, like, it's... it's broadly different, but... They're, like, 
you know, there's occasional flashes that show that somebody who cares is still working on it. But for the most part, you know, it, it's very difficult. And more than that, you know, it's not just a technical question. It's just that the animation is very lifeless. You know, there's there's no, even when it's technically competent, there's no sort of attempts to give people character through movement or animation or anything like that. You know, it's very static. The choreography is very boring and it's you know there's just no pizzazz to it and you know this is a kids show that's entirely about the monsters fighting if there's one thing you need to do it's have interesting fights and they're just not yeah you know and also like almost all of these episodes have been fights because you know and the second thing is just that you know plot wise it's just a mess right they're, they're going for like like some of the some of like the higher level power-ups almost straight out of the gate which fine you know it's a new show you have to escalate but there's no character reason for these power-ups to happen Mm -hmm. you know nobody learns anything the characters don't have epiphanies they don't gain new powers they just sort of get these upgraded forms out of nowhere and as a result everything is very flat it's very anticlimactic and there's there's no real reason to care about why these things are happening i don't want to be the uh old man yells a cloud i don't want to be the uh old man yells a cloud but like when these same tiered power-ups were being unlocked in the original show it was because the characters were gaining character development and like expressing the emotions and or uh admirable characteristics they're meant to represent which you know allows their partner to become more powerful and then in the new show it is it has been like five straight episodes of we are in peril from the new bigger enemy we're gonna run around for 15 minutes being in peril and then we're gonna power up even harder and punch yeah them in the it's face. it's you know that there's just you know again like as Ivo says you know I don't think that the characterization in original Digimon was like, we're not talking some sort of incredible character piece here, but there were honest attempts made and, you know, interesting things done to try and justify your standard power-up parade. And here there's none of that, you know, there's there's no attempt at fleshing the characters into anything other than, like, the very basest archetypes. In fact, the, the characters are considerably worse than in the original because they basically reduced them to, like, one-note characteristics. So, like, Yamato is broody, Joe cares about exams, and that's, like, the extent of their entire character. And it's it's very shallow and depressing and just, just you know, bad writing, generally. How much, uh, how, how much more of, of this is left? <laughs> God like, knows. Running... Uh, there was a, there was a um, listing, I think it was in, like, a korean listing oh or something boy. that had it that had it listed at 66 oh episodes god. oh my god and you're at episode what 13 14 like t- 15 maybe oh man well you guys are in for a ride i guess uh-huh. <laughs> yeah like it's it's very like the last episode was just absolutely appalling like and i say that as someone who is perhaps a little bit more sympathetic to this show because you know, unlike Iroh, I do not have uh, such a sentimental attachment to the original. You know, I definitely still have an attachment to it, but um, right. But, but you did not watch it, it was, when you were ten. Yeah, 
it's it it was very hard to defend the last episode as anything other than like a hack job and i don't say that lightly but it was it was just absolutely appalling all right so still uh, we're still on go watch the old one instead yeah the old <laughs> yeah, like the old one is the old one's a pretty good show like up. yeah all right well, we'll. Uh, I don't know if you guys are going to make the whole sixty-six episodes. Or oh, whatever, of course we we'll... are. Don't be silly. If we watched <laughs> Atmon, we can. Right, Atmon was Atmon was better than this. You're right. Like, and we'll, I hate that. That you're right. We'll we'll keep uh, checking in periodically, sure. I guess, to see if it gets any better. Look, man, but... we all we all got our burdens to carry. You know, like <laughs> some of us watch Gundam, other of us live with Digimon. Some of us do both. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I really are stuck in both. That's uh. All right, well, let's wrap things up with uh some more uh common writer talk. Common writer zero one has yeah, ended. It has as of this morning. We're recording on Sunday. It was you guys just barely fit that yep. in? Yeah, we were aided but, by uh, a uh, by a, aided by an early release by the subgroup. Thank you very much, did, guys. Uh, did Ibo save the day? So, firstly and most importantly, the Ibo survived, and in fact, there are now lots of Ibo. Oh, did it reproduce? Or... Oh, did Ibo get it on with the no? I, I think girl the impl- Ibo. I think the implication is that like dude who owned Ibo went into business uh, making Ibos. Okay, but um, you know, I think we said last time, you know, that a lot of extremely good stuff was happening but uh we had concerns about how it might wrap up and i'm happy to report that it wrapped up pretty well in fact like i think you know it was a bit messy there were definitely you know some loose ends which weren't particularly well resolved but that kind of that kind of describes the show as a show as a whole but it was ambitious it was character focused it was interesting it was nicely shot and the fights were good and i think overall you know it, it was a really really strong piece of work and i think despite all you know the production trouble and stuff i think this has been the strongest carmen rider show in quite some time I, i'm curious did the how much of an impact did the did the they, covid they, thing they, have they like cut it short by like six episodes Huh, all right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean as far as like in show, like did they have to film it any different? I think they or said they were... I mean I was gonna ask I like, think they did said, everybody yeah. have to like conspicuously stand apart from each other or something? <laughs> no, I mean like, like you you've got a bubble, right? But like um I, I think Oh, they're also doing the NBA bubble. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, it's very obvious that some of the plot points in the back half of the show were fairly rushed oh, and yeah. like characters they're, they're, appear and disappear with characters appear and disappear with fairly little fanfare and you know a lot of dramatic stuff happens very fast which isn't necessarily a terribly bad thing because Kamen Rider can be like occasionally a bit chunkily paced but there's definitely a feeling that they had to cram a lot of Mm -hmm. stuff into a few episodes yeah I mean if you have to cut six episodes that's pretty significant so right my understanding is they were I mean it's kind of impressive they were doing rewrites like pretty close to the end uh yeah, I mean, if that's the case, it's kind of impressive that they managed to pull off something uh, pretty decent. I mean, th- the thing I will say is, 
I think it works because the finale they choose to go for is not necessarily a plot-oriented finale, it's more a character finale, if that makes sense. Like, they focus on the individual characters and, like, a more emotional approach to the storytelling, and I think that works really well. Um, you know, okay. I, I think, you know, I mean, it, look, Kamen Rider is the kids' show of kids' shows, you know, it's not that deep, bro, but, like... You know, they had some interesting things to say about revenge and, like, the nature of what pursuing revenge does to you. And I think that I was really pleased that, um, like, the ending is the main character getting himself out of trouble and, like, coming to that realisation himself rather than being saved by the new toy of the day or anything like that. And, you know, there were some genuinely shocking twists along the way and some really fantastic, you know, moments... And I, I think, you know, that's that's what you get if you write good characters, is you can sort of lean on them for a finale that, that doesn't necessarily work particularly well as a plot conclusion, but mm-hmm. it feels right. So it's not like they, they beat the big bad guy at the end or something, it's more of a, like, you've killed your inner demons. Kind of I mean, the like, big bad guy like a few episodes ago. <laughs> yeah, that was like one okay. of the most interesting things about it, was basically was basically they beat the big bad guy and then he, like, turned into, like, the hate plague, if that makes sense. And so, like, oh, okay. there was a brief period there where it looked like the hero was going to be the big bad guy. And, um, you know, and obviously it didn't end up that way. But, um, again, they, they did a good job of explaining, like, you know, there was very much a whole, you know, the whole, you know, as long as there is evil, I will exist stuff going on. Right. The fight continues. Yes, absolutely. Right. And I will say that part of the ending of this show is a fairly bl- screw that a very blatant setup for a sequel movie that's going to happen you know in a I mean I was months. I was literally yeah. about to say like anything that got written out because they lost six episodes is that just stuff that's going to come back in the inevitable movie I mean, when like, the quarantine the, hopefully ends <laughs> the scope of this makes it seem like it's not something that they could have done in the show itself no matter how many episodes they had because sure. they literally introduce a new bad guy who screams movie exclusive character oh, yeah. all over here oh well <laughs> when you do that i <laughs> right. guess yeah. yeah but yeah. like like thematically you know i think this like, that movie will be fine, but, like, Kamen Rider movies have always been questionably canon to the shows that they're based on anyway, so it's not really something to worry about. Um, right. I, just, just like anime. Yeah. Or, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, but what about like the inevitable I, crossover appearances? How canon I mean, are those? Like, the crossover appearances are the movies, so... Oh, uh, okay. So, like, I, th- I think that... Um, like I said, I, I think that the most important thing they did was that they made this conclusion feel right they made it satisfied they made it satisfying on an emotional level mm-hmm. and and i think you know i think that that's no mean feat you know to write a 46 episode show um you know that is mostly about selling toys and still make you care about the characters and care about what happens to them is is a decent achievement and i i think like i said this is the best it's been in a while yeah I will uh, shout specifically that they did not bring uh, a dead character back to life uh, at the end. At, le- at least not. I mean, they build a, in... they build a new one, but it, yes, but they right. also explicitly show that it's not the same person. Yes, you know, which is kind of a big deal because you know people don't die in kids shows too often, and um, you know, I think, like I said, I I, I think that they 
they did a good job of of making of making the 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 main character winning feel earned and um you know i think it is messy i think the whole show has been messy i think there's definitely i would have liked to see more definitive fates for quite a few of the non-main characters who just kind of stop appearing at some point but um but it, it delivered the goods where it counted put it that way right okay well uh when's the next, next one next week it is called common rider saber and like it follows the fairly standard pattern which is after a technological one they tend to go towards like a more magic mystical orientated one right but also i mean what i mean what's the hook he has a sword he has yeah. a sword <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I heard okay. like something about like dads or something. Like, what's? Uh, I mean, I am. De- I've, I've deliberately been not reading the the spoilers, you know. But okay. do what do you mean for like, saber or for zero one? For saber. For saber oh, that's dads. Yeah. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, like I, I am. Um, I don't know. Like I'm like not. Like I saw. I, I guess I briefly saw something along the lines of dad writer tr- tr- like trending on JP Twitter, but. That's I didn't pay that close attention. So I, I mean, like that the, was like maybe a reference to the main character's father or... does show up in the final episode of Zero One, but like is he also a writer? Yes. Okay, it, maybe it's that's complicated. It there are but, multiple um, dad writers in Zero One. Yes. All right, I was just like, what the hell was that about? But yeah, that could also be a reference to Horobi, who is another one of the characters. But um, you know, I I um. I would so I would say that this is the best Kamen Rider since Kamen Rider Gaim, and that was seven years ago. So it, mm. they've not exactly covered themselves with glory in the years since. Uh, oh, let me right. tell you, as someone who also follows a long-running franchise, <laughs> if I got one good entry every seven years, I'd be fairly hey, satisfied. You just so. said Rekko <laughs> was like uh, what, 20, 2014, 2014 right? 2014, so yes, you guys are due. So I'm due. Um, Real- hopefully, Rerise was not the one. Rerise better not have been the one. <laughs> Um, yeah, one. All I will say is that I was not tremendously enthused yeah. by that Kamen Rider Saber trailer, and Iroh, I don't think you were either. No, right? definitely not. But well, Statistical odds are not in the favor of it being good. But, but also, uh, yeah. you know, Kamen Rider shows are so genericized that it can be tough to actually tell the actual character of one until we're several episodes in. Because, right. like, you know, like, the, the three-episode rule for 26-episode shows and stuff, because this is a full 50-episode show, and a, a show that is so strictly formula for, like, the first dozen or so episodes, it can be hard to tell. So I'm, I'm going in with an open mind, but I, I'm not necessarily optimistic. <sighs> All right. But obviously, I will well, report on the next episode. Yeah, we will. We will check back in on that then. Okay. Well, I think that's going to do that. Do it for this episode. We went a little long. Sorry, guys, but uh, you know we got in what we had to get in there. So, um, get to our housekeeping. You can check us out at theglorioblog.com. Follow us on Twitter at theglorioblog. You can uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, and YouTube. You know, like, comment, subscribe, leave a review, etc., etc. Smash that notification bell. Ring the notification bell? I don't know. Again, I'm old. Um, And uh, that's going to do it. 
So we'll see everybody next time.